Hello, I'm Alfred. And I'm Chris. It is Thursday, and this is Why Wait Till Sunday. Probably a top five midweek college daily fantasy show. Well, here we are in week four. I know it's kind of cliche, but it's really flying by, man. I can't believe when I was putting this stuff together and I was like putting week four on everything. It's like a month in. I know it, man. It's we're almost there. We're almost halfway. I mean, it takes like... to get here, and then it and then it just flies by when it's actually here. I know we got three uh, three main slates we've been through, and then week zero was a. Uh... Yeah, a little teaser. Um, but we got, I think, and you know, you can speak for yourself, but uh, week one was rocky. Week two was not great for my personal lineups. Now, we don't actually give out full-blown lineups on the show, but we talk about what we like. Inevitably, those players wind up in our lineups. But week three and week I guess week zero, week one were bad. Week two, and then last week, week three, I was pretty good. Uh, in fact, week three was probably my best week. I was on fire um, with all my lineups almost. So I think we're getting the hang of it. Uh, you know, obviously, this isn't the first time we've played college DFS, but each season has its own rhythm and its own trends. And sometimes it takes a minute to, to figure things out. Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like we really nailed it the last two weeks in terms of um, kind of where to pay up, where to pay down. Um, you know, I think our, we've done really well with bargain values and, and being able to pay up for key players. So I, I, I think we've um, got a good understanding, like you said, where the college season is heading. And I mean, it's a different year. Like last year was a different year too. There's a lot of adjustments happening. So it's uh, it's a different season, but I, you know, I think we're, uh, we're getting the hang of this thing. Yeah. So, you know, of course I'm confident going in and, you know, may, may play more than I have. And, you know, that's always a recipe for having your worst week, but nevertheless, we're going to do the show and we're going to talk about this week without further ado, we got week four. That's Bijan out on the front of the screen there. Cause he's so awesome. Um, and I was really excited to, to, you know, highlight, highlight him. Cause we get a nice Texas game, but you know, first on the slate, Missouri-Boston College. This game has probably a higher point total than you might think at 59. Uh, and both teams coming in near 30 total points on their team total. Missouri at 31 for seventh on the slate. Boston College at 28. Should be a close game. May go back and forth. Um, I, I think it's interesting, and I know that you like the Missouri quarterback, who we'll get into a little bit later, but that's certainly a, an unusual game, you know, Missouri going up to Boston College in a, in a you know, out-of-conference Power 5 matchup. That's just, you don't see that every day. I feel like it's been happening more and more often, though. Yeah, I'm interested in this game just from a fan perspective, too. I think it's going to be kind of exciting. Absolutely. Okay, the cupcake game of the slate is Georgia at Vandy. Give us uh, the details of that one. Yeah. I wish it wasn't on the slate, to be honest. I mean, Georgia's the 34 point favorite uh, with the highest implied team total at 42 and a half. Vandy's is all the way down there at eight and a half, which pretty much just takes them totally out this week. It's not the most exciting game, but we got to talk about it. And I wish I was more excited about it. I mean, yeah, I just, there were better options to include, but here we are. Yeah, I'm not loving it. Um, we also have probably a fantasy bonanza at uh, LSU at Mississippi State. Uh, this game has a uh, 56.5 total, but again, it's another one of these close matchups that the you know the team totals right uh, both are right around thirty with LSU coming in right at thirty or so and Mississippi State at twenty six. But just looking at these teams in the seasons they've had, I think there's a pretty good chance there's some fantasy value there. Um, and then we've got our cover boy here, Texas Tech at Texas. Give us the details there. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. Texas is favored by nine, um, but the 
the total is 16 16 and a half which is is interesting it's fourth highest on the slate i think this could be a really fun game um you know i think texas can probably run the ball a little bit i think they're gonna have a little bit of trouble passing but i think you know texas tech is such an interesting team tyler shuck has been you know pretty solid this year and they have a semblance of the run game so i i think that you know, I like Texas in this game, but I'm really excited again to like watch this game and really see how it unfolds because we've seen Texas struggle a little bit and Texas Tech is, I think, probably outpaced expectations. So again, a really interesting game. Yeah, Texas Tech's defense is actually better than you think. And uh, they're not quite the, you know, air raid, put up 60 and, and win shootouts team that they used to be. Um then we have SMU at TCU, which which kind of promises to probably be one of the more fantasy-friendly games on the entire slate. The total is 63.5. Uh, Texas Christian um, projected to score almost 37 points. SMU comes in almost at 27 points uh, with a 10-point spread. So should be plenty of touchdowns in this game. And, uh, you know, that's kind of one to definitely circle on the slate and getting SMU on a main slate is a little bit interesting too. So probably some names that, you know, we're going to have to familiarize ourselves with there. We have a classic Midwestern showdown, Notre Dame headed to Wisconsin. What do you got there? Yeah. So Wisconsin's five and a half point favorites. And I think it's actually gone up since I, um, I made the note of it. I think it's at six now across most books, but I, you know, Notre Dame struggled a lot this year. They barely beat Toledo. They barely beat Florida State. They took care of Purdue, but Purdue didn't look very good. Wisconsin's defense is just rock solid. The total in this game is only 46 and a half, which is the second lowest on the slate. So it's not like we're inching and just trying to get players into our lineups from this game. But I do think from a real life perspective, again, a an interesting game that there's probably a little bit of DFS value that we can uh, capture here. So Good game. Not a priority target for us. Yeah, I don't think so either. Boise State at Utah State. Now, a lot of people are familiar with Boise State at this point. They're no longer, you know, this upstart G5 team. They're kind of a, a, a regular presence in on big-time college football. But Utah State has been on some late slates, some short slates, and they have a very exciting offense uh, with a new coach coming up from Arkansas State uh, in the offseason. And they have been lighting it up. So if you're not familiar with Utah State, we are going to get you familiar with them. Uh, and I think that's going to be an important place to mine for fantasy points this week. We got a huge SEC showdown. Texas A&M goes to Fayetteville to take on a surprisingly undefeated Arkansas who just knocked off Texas uh, a couple weeks ago or last week maybe. And um, tell us a little bit about that one. Yeah, this this is going to – again, I, I'm getting all the fun real-life games and you're getting yeah. all the, the exciting, explosive Fantasy offenses. I schedule yeah. it like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I don't have any say in the graphics, so – what you see, what you see on screen, if you're on YouTube, all, all Alfred, but yeah. So again, a fun real life game. Um, you know, Texas A&M is probably the, if they're not a top five defense in the country, they're certainly top 10 excellent defense. I think Arkansas has really impressed a lot of people this year. They just will run it all the time with KJ Jefferson and, and a mix of running backs, but you know, spreads 47, seven and a half. It's the ninth highest on the slate. So there's, I think a little bit of value to be had here, but not one of the big games that we're targeting once again. Sorry about that. And again, <laughs> I get Louisville at Florida state. <laughs> so if I'm talking, you probably want to listen more because I've got the fun games. Louisville at Florida state should be a bit of, I mean, both these defenses are not very good. Uh, let me get the number here for us, but um I know I'm going to be targeting some teams in this. Both teams are pretty bad. Both defenses are pretty bad. It's a 61.5 point total at Louisville coming in at 32.6 on the slate and Florida state at 30 points ninth on the slate. Both of those teams would be top uh, top half of the slate. And so I think, you know, that's a place to go as well. So it's kind of like there's games where both teams are exciting and then there's games where neither team is exciting. And I might have another one for you, Chris. Clemson at North Carolina State, your home team at, in Raleigh. Yeah, go, go Wolfpack. But 
Uh, yeah, this is once again a total, <laughs> a total under 48 points. We're looking at 46 and a half here. It's the second lowest on the slate. Clemson's offense has honestly been horrible. Like, uh, th- that's putting it nicely. They just have not been good. Uh, really, really underwhelming this year. DJU has not looked like himself. North Carolina State's been been kind of impressive. They uh, they had a huge win week one against USF. They struggled a little bit on the road in uh, Starkville last week. But, you know, this is a, probably going to be a defensive game more than anything. There's – the best thing I could say is it's going to be an interesting real-life game, right? Like, we're looking at 46 yeah, and a half total. I mean, can NC State lock off Clemson? Yes. Um, you know, and then is Clemson – you know, everyone's going to be waiting for them to get right. So, if you guess on the get right game, you know, you could probably make some money. But I don't know if this is it on the road at NC State. We'll have to no, find I, out. I don't think so. NC State, NC State's got a good, I've got a good They're defense, good. and yeah, I I think it's more likely that they cover than than Clemson does. But that's yeah. that's a discussion for a different podcast. That is a different podcast. Um, Iowa State at Baylor. Uh, this one doesn't excite me that much either. Um, kind of a a low lowish point total. I think of, of forty eight. You've got some big names at least in uh, you know Charlie Kohler, tight end for Iowa State, and Brees Hall, of course. Baylor, I have to admit, I don't know that much about, but I know Iowa State's defense is pretty good. And, um, you know, just a hint, hint at our other show, the three and out, we'll talk about this more. But uh, this game, so Iowa on the road and Baylor at home um, in the Big 12, when those teams are playing at home or on the road in the Big 12, the under is like way wins. Uh, most of the time and so i'll give those numbers a little bit later but it looks like under is a decent bet here i don't love this game for fantasy and take us home with rutgers at michigan Ooh, this one's over 50 so this is a little more exciting <laughs> yeah so the the spread here is uh you know i think it's gone up to 20 and Rutgers starts you know they started three and know that they've had some really nice wins they they really took it to temple they beat syracuse pretty well but um you know michigan is this their year they've really put a lot of stuff together that we wanted to see blake quorums looked fantastic i i think that it's probably going to be a tough sledding game for Rutgers. their implied team totals 23rd on the slate is 16 and a half or 16.8 so you know i i don't know what this game looks like necessarily but it's not my favorite to target for DFS purposes just because it's Michigan and it's Rutgers. And we've talked extensively about how we don't like playing players from Michigan. Yes, that is a theme of the show. Uh, so, yeah, that that takes us for the uh, the whole slate there. And, I, you know, it should be a good one. There's going to be some, some games that you just want to just pile it on and then some stay-away games, and so we can maybe narrow some of the players. Speaking of the players, let's get right into it here. Quarterbacks, um, you've got Tanner Mordecai sitting at uh, number one. He's 9K, which I think a lot of people might balk that, actually. Like, who's Tanner Mordecai and why is he 9K? Is he worth it? Tell us. I mean, there may be some listeners aren't super familiar with uh, SMU. They haven't been on a slate yet. Yeah. So Mordecai has been really outstanding to start the year. The uh, He's averaging 30 to 41 yards per game, 5.3 touchdowns per game. That equates to 39.77 DraftKings points per game. So he's been fantastic. And he gets a TCU team that is okay. They're allowing 9.87 yards per team pass attempt. They're not super impressive, even though, you know, they're nine point favorites. I think their defense leaves a little bit to be desired. And that just means a better game script for Mordecai um, to continue throwing. They've won the country's highest pass rates at 52.3%. I, I like him this week and I'm okay paying up for him. Cause I think that you're going to want to stack him with other SMU options. So that's, that's really the, the kicker there that do you pay a little bit more for Mordecai to really get um, positive correlation on the rest of the slate? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think I've been messing around uh, already with some lineups and I mean, it, it seems hard, like you said, five touchdowns per game. I mean, even if he, if, he, if three is his floor, like you kind of don't have a, a, a choice there, but uh, you know, we're talking about the big guns. Like we always do. I think you have to at least address them. So then we go to Cunningham uh, for Louisville. He had a big game against you 
CF last week. He put two in on the ground, I think threw for two or something like that. So had a pretty big game. Um, he's going to FSU at 8,800, I think. Um, I mean, do you have an opinion? I've, I kind of wasn't jazzed about starting him. I just feel like he's got a floor game in him that is not going to do anything. Yeah, I, you know, I, I do like Cunningham. I actually think if I'm not st- – so I think stacking the SMU-TCU game is probably going to be fairly popular this week. So if yeah. I am trying to get a little bit different on this slate, I will probably try to play Cunningham because he has been extremely impressive this year. He's averaging 32 – over 32 DraftKings points per game. Um, you know, the game should be close. It's a two-and-a-half-point spread, but it's over 60 – it, as the total um, Florida state has not been particularly good in really any facet of the game on defense, but they do, they do allow the um, 107th They rank 107th in yards per pass attempt, which yeah. I think is interesting since McCunningham's like calling card isn't really passing the ball. So that might open up the door to a, um, a higher ceiling game than I think that we might anticipate otherwise in this matchup. So I'm, t- I, I mean, I really do like Cunningham. But it's more so in the event that I'm not stacking Mordecai. And, and so that's the other way that I'm probably constructing lineups this week. Gotcha. Yeah, it's interesting point. You know, FSU's pass defense is bad. Their run defense is certainly the strength, if anything. However, um, you know, I don't, you know, I, I don't think I count quarterback rushing. A, a, you know, if a defense is good at stopping the run, I don't know. A rushing quarterback's just a different animal. The way that the the offense runs is totally different, and and scrambles, of course, have really nothing to do. I think with like traditional run defense. So, um, you know, I, I think that's a good point. Maybe his his if his passing's unlocked and he still gets the the ground points, that could be a ceiling game. You know, potential there. Max Dugan, kind of a fantasy joke i think in a lot of ways you're kind of like a a fancy adrian martinez where nobody really wants to watch him play but at the end of the day he does put up points for fantasy he runs a lot he'll get a lot of rushing touchdowns but i think 8700 feels a little strong for dugan um what do you think about him in this shootout with smu so in my article that's coming out tomorrow where you know we we only have a little bit of time here to to talk about the slate so it goes a little bit more in depth but I think a legitimate way to play this slate is to stack the options with SMU and TCU. And that means playing Mordecai and Dugan. I think Dugan's really interesting. He has 12 games in his last 20 of 35 plus rushing yards. And he has nine over 65 yards in his last 20. So basically half over 65 yards, 17 rushing touchdowns in his last 20 games. I mean, he's really, really solid on the on the ground. I think that mm-hmm. he could be involved in all phases despite them being a double-digit favorite in this matchup. I do think it's going to be high scoring. You know, it's the, the over on the, the total's 63.5. Really, really interesting. He is basically the same price as like the other options within $300. So I think Dugan's in play, and I, I think the most interesting way to play him is definitely stacking the SMU game. Like I, I won't play him as a one-off. I will play him if I am investing heavily in that game. So it, it might be him and Quentin Johnston and then run back with an SMU wide receiver, mm-hmm. or it might even be him and Mordecai in the same lineup. So a lot well, of different ways to build with him. The whole game. Yeah. Um, uh, then we have Max Johnson at Mississippi State uh, for the LSU team. He's been surprisingly good. He won't give you much on the ground, but he has thrown for a lot of touchdowns already this season, 11 uh, in three games. So certainly getting it done through the air, but 8,300. Are you interested in Max Johnson? Um, I don't know. I, I I keep going back and forth on him because I think that game is going to be a high-scoring game, and I think he probably crests 300 yards. But all the players that I like more than him have some sort of rushing upside or, a, I think, a higher passing ceiling. And so I am okay with Max Johnson because I don't think he's super pricey, and he would be, like Malik Cunningham, one of the plays that aren't a SMU or TCU quarterback at, at, the, at the high end. So he's fine. And I think that's, that's the same thing's true. Of Will Rogers as well. Like I, I yeah. think they're both 300. They're not locked in, but like pretty close to locked in for 300 yards. What the upside looks like 
beyond that in a slate where there's a lot of really good quarterbacks, I'm not positive. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's a good take, uh, for what to do with that LSU and Mississippi state game. Okay. So now we got to talk about D, uh, JT Daniels. I personally don't really have interest in him, uh, at Vandy, you know, Georgia just wants to run the ball. I mean, I think if they're pressed, they may pass a decent amount. I thought they were going to be more interested in passing this year, but it seems like they still really aren't and their defense allows them not to need to. So any interest there? And then I, I mean, maybe a $1 GPP on, on DJU if they get right, but I, I'm not going to put much on it. Yeah. I won't, I won't play JT Daniels. He just doesn't have the upside. They're 34 point favorites this week against Vanderbilt. So I don't really see his path to like a 300 yard three game. Like, I don't know. I, I just see it. And DJU is only interesting insofar, like you said, GPP, like one-off tournament play, because if he hits this week, he will probably be in the winning lineup of a GPP. Yeah, I mean, he'll be like under 5% rostered. Yeah. I mean, no one's going to play him. Yeah, it, it's it, Clemson's offense has really struggled, and I think there's there's two parts of that. One is the offensive line, brutal. But DJU has not looked good. He, he's really lacking confidence. He's just not the same player he was when we saw him last year. So until I see a get-right game from him, I'm probably off of him in DFS. Yeah, I think so. But again, I mean, if you throw a small little GPP on him every single week until it happens, I mean, he's probably going to have a, a 350, you know, four-touchdown game at some point. He just seems that good. But I wouldn't invest heavily, that's for sure. Um and we got to talk about Boise State at Utah State. I uh, said in the opening piece, you know, this is an interesting game, I think, for fantasy. Hank Bachmeyer's been pretty decent. He's got a big arm, but he he's not great for fantasy. You know, the yards really aren't there. He hasn't hit 300 yards yet, I don't think. So I'm really not interested there at 7,300. But I think you're interested in the opposing quarterback in that game. I like So I actually like Bachmeyer, I, I think, because – it's the same idea with TCU SMU, right? Like I'm, this might be a game to stack at like a cheaper cost and then pay up elsewhere. Right. That's true. You know, Boise state had a bad loss last week. And I don't think Boise state as a team is as good as people think they are. I, I think there's a misconception about how good they really are as a team, which is a different question, but they do have the third highest implied team total on the slate, highest game total on the slate with tied highest. But Utah State's defense is so bad. They allowed um, 45 points to Air Force and then 24 points to an FCS team in North Dakota. I think this game at at the total is is really interesting to invest in. They're lying 8.25 yards per pass attempt, so I like Bachmeyer. But I do really like the the Utah State quarterback, Logan Bonner. Bargain bin! And he is real bargain bin, folks. Yeah, so so anytime there's a quarterback that we're playing under 6K, it's like, uh, you know, you, you, you want to like pump the brakes a little bit, but he is splitting time with Andrew Peasley a little bit because Peasley's a little bit more dynamic on the ground. But in this matchup, I think it's it's like it's going to be hard pressed to find a better points per dollar play than than Bonner at the quarterback position. So. They're nine-point dogs, so they're going to be passing probably to keep up. He's averaging 21.38 drafting points per contest. Um, even splitting Bo- some time. Even splitting some time. So Boise State's defense is brutal against the pass. They're 106th in p- yards per pass attempt, and they're 109th in EPA per pass attempt. So their defense has been bad against the pass. I like Bonner a lot this week. I think, you know, he got injured in the end of last game, which led to Peasley having a little bit more reps at, at the end, and, and he – he did keep them in against Air Force, and they won, and it was a pretty gutsy performance. But if Bonner is healthy and Bonner is starting and Bonner is getting 85 to 90% of the, the, the let's say, snaps at quarterback, 5,600 is really hard to pass up. And it's I mean, it's, it's tied for the highest total on the slate. Like, it's really, really hard to ignore Bonner at 5,600 this week. Yeah, 100% here. This is a unique opportunity because of his time-splitting ways. Um, and it's just so cheap. I mean, this is reserved for a guy like Brendan Lewis is 5,600 who, you know, can't even throw for a hundred 
against anybody and and barely rushes for more than 40 yards that's the kind of guy you get for 5600 i mean bonner's already gone over 300 yards i believe twice this season so he is putting up numbers there is that weirdness about the splitting time which is maybe why he's so cheap but it's really hard to pass him up this week um and then there's another quarterback in the sec that you kind of like take it away with uh connor basilak for Missouri at Boston College, are you interested in playing him this week? So I am. So so they're three point favorites, and I think it's an interesting game to bet Boston on the money line. Um, I'm not quite sure that Missouri is that much better than them. Winning, but they're throwing at 51 points, 56.1 percent of plays, one of the highest rates in the country. Baselike has 299 and three average per three games. Um, Boston College's pass defense has been good. But they played Colgate, UMass, and Temple. So how good has it actually been? They have limiting explosive plays. Wait. Again, how good has it been? They're extremely um, efficient in limiting explosive plays. So I like Basilek. I think it's an interesting play, and he's you know he's he's pretty cheap. He's uh, sixty eight hundred. Anytime you get under seven for a starting quarterback who has three touchdown upside, which I think he does, you know that's interesting for sure okay moving on to running backs uh you know the 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 poster guy for our opener is Bijan. he's the most expensive guy in the slate texas playing um at home against texas tech who has a kind of a decent run defense but Bijan's probably uh matchup proof the question is is he gonna get 25 touches for that price um, 7,200, which frankly, isn't that much for the most expensive running back on a given slate. So all the running backs are a little bit cheaper this week. Yeah. I expect him to actually have like a 20 plus opportunities. I, I think he's averaging 19 and they've played a couple games where they've been down. So I think, you know, they're nine point favorites this week. I think that he probably gets a heavy dose of action. Texas Tech's defense is pretty good. I mean, it's okay. They're outside the top 40 in defensive EPA per rush attempt. So I do think that there's a chance for Bijan to be involved there. And he's he's obviously involved in the passing game, too. He's one of the country's better pass-catching running backs. So I'm not really particularly worried about Bijan. I think at 7,100, he's a, he's a fine play this week. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, he is the most expensive back on the slate, but but sometimes we see nine, $9,000, $9,500 running backs, and so he's not even close to that. Uh, so I think re- relatively speaking, it's kind of a value. Brees Hall – Price down at only 7K. He was one of those $9,000 backs not that long ago. He's been a bit disappointing in the production standpoint this year and going to Baylor in a game that I think might go under. Now, even in a game that goes under the point total of 48, Hall can absolutely still have 102 uh, and you know probably pay off his 7K salary. Do you think you're going to be playing any Brees Hall? I mean, he's he's just the most locked and loaded for 25 opportunities in any given game. So you're definitely getting volume. Yeah. So he he's averaging 23 opportunities thus far. And they're a favorite. So I, I think that 25, I think you're totally right about that. I don't so he's not a priority target for me just because Baylor's defense is they're, they're top 60 in, in rushing, and that's okay. But you know, Iowa State's offensive line has really not been that impressive this year. So I he is viable, is, is my thought, but not a priority. I think that there are cheaper backs with similar upside. But again, it's Brees Hall. He could go for 150 and three, and we're just laughing about how he was only 7K. Absolutely. Okay. Interesting name here. As the third most expensive running back, I think a lot of people might, you know, be like, who is this guy? Uh, Tyler Batty or Beatty from Missouri. Uh, he's had quite a season actually already Um, 25 carries in his first game against central Michigan, 14 carries against uh, Kentucky. However, 10 receptions against Kentucky. He's got 15 receptions in the first three games. He's looking like Missouri's workhorse and comes in at 6,900 in a game that should be close. I don't think BC is going to run away with it, but, you know, BC, generally speaking, it's kind of like a slow slog, those games, especially up in Boston College. So that's an interesting price point. Um, where do you land on Beatty? 
Yeah, so you kind of hit the nail on the head. He's averaging 23.3 opportunities per game thus far. Boston College's rush defense is is ranked 13th in defensive EPA per rush attempt. Again, who have they played to make that a scary number thus far? I'm not super worried about it, but I think a lot of his value comes in the passing game. I just think he's going to be so heavily involved in what should be a close and high-scoring game with an over-under of uh, 59 points. So I like Beatty because he does have 10 reception upside on the week, and I don't think any other back on the slate does. Yeah, his his role in the passing game makes him incredibly intriguing, actually, um, and a little bit of a savings off, off Bijan Robinson. But, uh, you know, if you can find 300 bucks, maybe you just go Bijan is the only thing there. You got two Michigan players coming in next. Corm's been great. Haskins been kind of whatever, kind of a, you know, kind of a banging type running back. Uh, his, his average per carry is pretty good, but he doesn't get any receptions at all, whereas Corm does. Corm has the explosion. But again, I just, until proven otherwise, I, I don't really want Michigan players. I mean, they split time with these guys. I'm not interested in either one, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's so hard to fade Corum after three straight 100-yard games. Like, it really, really is. But I think this is the week to do so because I think he's going to be popular. I don't think Rutgers is a bad defense. In terms of defensive line yards, top 50 in the country. They are they have an impressive defensive line. I, I, I think there are better options than Corum this week because I don't think Corum's going to catch any passes. I think he's going to split some time with Hassan Haskins if we think that the spread is how the game plays out, which is like about 20 points. I I like him fine. I'm probably going to play him in a few match a few lineups, but not my favorite target on the slate. All right, in the pinball game that could be SMU at TCU, Ulysses Bentley has been, I think, a slight disappointment this year. Uh, you know, two games under 75 yards rushing. He hasn't been catching the ball the way that, you know, maybe we thought he would, only two catches per game. Um, the price seems a little excessive, although it is a game that could go a little wild. But, you know, only six total catches on three games. Uh, I thought he'd be more involved there. Yeah, I, I'm not on Ulysses Bentley. I thought he was going to be like a uh, a G5 deuce fawn. Yeah. A- and he's more like a dollar general deuce fawn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought he was going to be like heavily involved, and he's just – he's kind of uh, a, a satellite piece for them. He's not a workhorse, and I thought he would maybe be a workhorse this year. Yeah, but I like, I like the other running back in that game, Zach Evans. I think that he's really interesting. 6,200. Uh, he, he had a bad game in the series opener. He was suspended by the team for two, I think two series. And then they were up by so much. They weren't going to use them. Rip Cal's defense. Oh, I, I think he's the, the workhorse there. I mean, he had 22 touches, 22 carries and no other running back at four. They have the second highest implied team total on the slate. They're heavy favorites. I think the way to play this game as from a lineup building perspective is Evans, and then on the other side, a SMU stack with Mordecai and your preferred wide receiver or two. And so yeah. I think Evans is a great play at his price. I love that. I mean, I, I just, man, it's hard to fade him if he's going to really get 20 plus carries uh, because he should be their workhorse. And like you said, the week one was a little bit bizarre, but he even got in the end zone in week one uh, later in the game after kind of sitting out for the first half. And then the very obvious you know, bell cow, every down guy, which Texas Christian has not actually done that for a few years. They've had this committee situation for a few years now where three, even four running backs will get work. And, um, and he just dominated uh, against Cal in a close game. So it was like not even a blowout or anything. I mean, they just fed him and he went absolutely bonkers, 190 yards. If he's going to be the workhorse, I mean, I don't, it's hard to fade him at 6,200 here. Um, definitely going to have good exposure to Zach Evans because he's also an explosive guy. I mean, he can take it 75 yards, um, which you love to see any you know, running back who can go the distance any one play. Isaiah Spiller seems really priced down at only 5,900. I mean, he's been pretty good. He's gotten to the bonus 
in two out of three games. Uh, the only game he didn't was Colorado, which was just an absolutely bizarre game. I mean, 10 to seven at Colorado. Haynes King got hurt. Just a weird, weird game. Um, but otherwise has been sensational, but it's been against Kent State and New Mexico. So not really sure what to think about Bryce uh, or Isaiah Spiller, but 1500 is cheap. I mean, he's he was on par with Brees Hall two weeks ago, and now he's way less than Brees Hall. Yeah, so the only thing that worries, worries me is that matchup, right? They shut down Bijan uh, early in the year, but I think Texas, that's an issue with Texas's line. Like, I, I'm not that impressed by Arkansas. I, I think it was more Texas question in that game. Isaiah Spiller also has pass catching upside, so yeah. I, I think he's more than in play this week if you want to pay down at running back, but I do think there's an inherent risk that they just don't have much going on the ground and, and, you know, maybe they go to Calzada, my, my favorite quarterback in the country. And uh, we have to touch on Will Shipley, who just came out of last week with 20, uh, 21 carries and two receptions. So he had 23 touches and scored two touchdowns against Georgia tech. So, you know, a kind of a cupcake Georgia tech matchup. However, it was still uh, an ACC contest, and he was pretty much the feature at 23 touches. Is Will Shipley going to keep getting 20 touches? He, we know he has the talent, but uh, if this is a thing, then it's going to be hard to fade Will Shipley at this price again. Well, I'm just not really – Hit the transfer portal. Yeah. No, I mean, you're right. I, I'm, I don't think I'm playing a single player in this game, extensively at least. I Shipley is priced – fine but north carolina states like their defense is good they're only allowing 2.8 yards per carry and they're ranked 36 in defensive epa per rush attempt so like it's not like they're they're a bad team uh especially defensively like, they've been very good defensively so i i'm not rushing out to play will shipley i think Clemson is probably going to continue their offensive struggles this week okay i'm gonna let you talk about a dude pat garwo for Boston College, <laughs> tell me why you like this guy because I don't know really anything about him. Yeah, so I actually texted you about him earlier this <laughs> week because I was sh- I was shocked when I was uh, previewing the slate, and so I don't really know much about Bat Car- Carwell either. I-, I know he's fifty two hundred and he plays on Missouri team that ranks one hundred twenty fifth in rushing yards per game, one hundred twenty seventh in rushing yards per rush attempt, and one hundred twenty sixth in defensive EPA per rushing attempt. Looking only at running back production over their last their first three games, they allowed 241 yards to Central Michigan, 245 yards to Kentucky, and 294 rushing yards to Southeast Missouri State. Woo! A Garwo at 5,200 in a close matchup against one of the nation's worst rushing defenses. Extremely interesting at 5,200. I'm just saying he's priced down. You could do a lot worse than facing like the, the worst rushing defense on the slate by a long shot. Absolutely. But you know, who's priced down even more. One of your oh, guys, man. another one you texted me about it earlier this week. Um, is he the starter for Texas tech? Taj Brooks comes in uh, un- almost at uh, 4,000. He's 4,100 to so just a little bit over. Yeah, so he 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 started and he's been extremely impressive thus far. Averaging two, uh, he has two hundred eighty four yards in three games, eight point one yards per carry. They are nine point dogs, which is a little bit worrisome. But Texas's defense has not been particularly impressive on the ground this week or this year, and I I think that's the way that they can probably attack them this week. So. I, I, you know, I, I don't know if this is a Tyler Shuck week necessarily. I think this is a week where we get Taj Brooks involved. He only has 12 touches per game this far, but I'm not really concerned about that. I think that they haven't had to use him to the point where he has to get more than the really 12 touches to, to win the game. I like him this week. I think he's a great matchup, and I think that's the way they're going to be able to keep the game close versus Texas. Slow it down, run the ball, just keep the Texas offense on the field because they, they have questions in the, past, in, the, in the secondary on defense. I like Taj Brooks a lot this week. I think that he's a great value for at 4,100. Right. And um, uh, my, my apologies to, to Taj and the Brooks family. I spelled his name wrong on here. Uh, it should be T-A-H-J. So apologies to everybody there. 
But um, yeah, I mean, 4,100, very hard to disagree with that. He has scored two times in two games. So I think touchdown equity is going to be there. Um, doesn't catch a lot of passes, at least not yet this year. But certainly at 4,100 allows you to do a lot of other things and probably the cheapest running back that I'm going to feel comfortable rostering. So I like that call. And then um, the other guy in this general vicinity that I want to highlight, because I think you're going to catch a game of Corey Kiner that, you know, maybe wins a GPP type situation one of these weeks. Uh, I think he's rising on the depth chart at LSU. He had 11 carries in week two against McNeese State. And I think everybody chalked it up to, oh, well, it was McNeese State. But then he had 12 carries last week against Central Michigan. He's looked like the best back in the LSU backfield, despite being a true freshman. And, uh, you know, he's only coming in at 4,900. I think you're going to see 100 yards and one or two touchdowns one of these weeks because he's going to kind of come out of nowhere and be the full-blown starter and get 20 opportunities or 25 opportunities. Um, and you may not get notice. So kind of like DJU, uh, you may want to do some GPPs and, and keep rolling out Kiner because he's going to have a breakout game at sub 5%, you know, rosters. And, and you're going to want to be interested in that. Yeah. No, you like Kiner more than I do. I'm a little bit worried about the mass matchup and I think it's mostly a, a game back and forth, but under 5k for a starting running back against in a high scoring matchup. I mean, it, it, the recipe is there for success. Yeah, I just think that it's a guy that, you know, I'll probably mention him every week unless his price gets gets a lot higher because yeah. you're going to catch a wave one of these weeks and uh, you just want to be there when it happens. Yeah. Um, all right, receivers, unless – did you have any other running backs you wanted to touch on? Uh, yeah, I'll talk uh, quickly about Kendall Milton. He's 3,500. Mm. He did lead Georgia in um, rush attempts last week. James Cook is – 2,500 more expensive than him just because he lucked into two receiving touchdowns. I don't think that happens again this week. Vandy's allowing 6.1 yards per carry on the ground. They have one of the worst defenses or rush defenses in the country. I think this is a game where Kendall Milton could three, four X, uh, 3,500. And, and you're looking pretty good if you, if you pay down for him. Yeah. And he, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he went 15 for a hundred and two touchdowns just cause it's Vandy. I mean, literally anything can happen uh, when you play Vandy. Uh, the other guy, you know, real quick, Jalen Mitchell is kind of the workhorse for Louisville. Uh, FSU's run defense is kind of decent, but, uh, you know, Mitchell's getting close to 20 opportunities per game. I think he's definitely their starting running back and will get, um, uh, you know, goal line equity there. And he's only 5,100 in a game that should be back and forth and pretty loose with the scoring. So I think he's one to consider as well. Uh, at, at price point. So you have some, you have some pretty nice options in that 5k and the 4k range. So, um, you know, I don't think running back is a, is a, is a position where we really want to spend up too much this week. Quarterback is looking like you probably want to spend at least one of the top quarterbacks. And then we get to wide receivers with Quinton Johnston coming in as the most expensive receiver, you've already mentioned him in stacking with Dugan. He is by far, I think, uh, the TCU alpha and, you know, going to get any touchdowns. The problem is the TCU passing game just is not very heavy volume. So despite being the alpha, you know, do you want Quentin Johnston this week? So I, I do in runbacks where I'm playing Mordecai and then if I'm stacking – uh, Dugan with somebody. I, that's the scenarios where I'll play Johnston. And I think that's fine, right? SMU's pass defense is 95th in defensive EPA per attempt, 120th in passing yards per game oh. attempt. Their defense is really, really bad. Johnston's averaging eight targets per game, 30% target share, on uh, almost 30% target share on the season. He's averaging 17.35 fantasy points, but um, you know, I was, I was running some numbers today and his unrealized fantasy points, which is a combination of like air yards and then receptions and targets. And it's, it's, it's a, um, you know, it's a formula that we've been working on kind of behind the scenes here. He's leaving 14.5 points on the table each week. So I think at some point wow. he's someone who can really outperform expectations because each week he's having unrealized fantasy points, unrealized air yards, because he's such a, a dynamic downfield threat. So I am okay 
playing him this week, even at the price up cost. Yeah, I love that unrealized fantasy points y'all have been working on in the lab. That is some uh, fantastic stuff there. Um, just a little uh, shout out our parent website, campustokenton.com, and we will be putting out content that maybe highlights that. We're still, you know, tooling around with it, but become a member today uh, for the low, low price of $2.99 per month and get all the things that we're working on, including unrealized air yard or unrealized fantasy points which is a little bit more in depth than unrealized air yards which is we know is fairly common um devin tompkins has simply been one of the best receivers in the country this year for utah state he is the second most expensive receiver on the slate all he's done is go eight for 94 eight for 172 nine for 188 and put it in the end zone each week i have no argument against him it's just a matter can you fit Devin Tompkins this week yeah he's the guy to stack with Bonner I I actually think the way to play that game and and this is uh, I think we're having more strategy talk this week because there are a lot of cheaper options that you can you can play with more expensive options and so there's a lot of flexibility in in the slate because there's really a lot of good options it's a, a very solid slate I think so with Tompkins I think you play Bonner with him and I think maybe you target a secondary Utah State wide receiver as well. So he's averaging 12 targets per game, 31.9 fantasy points per game. I mean, he's just ridiculous. They're nine-point underdogs. They're just going to keep throwing. I have zero issue plugging him in this week. Yeah. But he will be popular. Like, Oh, he will be. For sure. Um, let's just go through all the Utah State receivers at the same time. So then you have Bowling, who is a transfer, came, followed the, the quarterback Logan Bonner over from Arkansas State and the coach from Arkansas State. So he's kind of that, like – glue guy in the locker room and honestly i played him a little bit in week one and he went one for ten i don't know if he was injured i don't know what the deal was but since then six for 118 nine for 136 and two last week against air force i mean they are just blowing up the scoreboard uh obviously tompkins is doing what he's doing but bowling has really come on he's priced down at 6900 um I mean, any interest there, you got to have some interest, but it, again, it's just like, can you fit all these prices? Um, and then you have Justin McGriff, our final bargain bin for the week, getting a piece of this passing game. He's probably their, they're consistently their third receiver. He's a huge X receiver on the outside. Now this offense does love the slot. So, you know, the, the targets don't go his way as much, but he's like six foot three, four or five, something like that, you know, 210 pounds, big, big dude. You can see him in this picture here, mossing a Boise state player from last year, but he's only 3,700 getting a piece of this passing game in a game that should be back and forth. A lot of passing kind of like it. Oh, I love Justin McGriff this week. I, I, he might be one of my favorite values. He is out targeting Brandon bowling 7.3 to 6.7 targets per game. And he's running 14 more routes per game. He's just always in on two wide receiver sets. I think he's a, one of those guys that has a lot of um, – he's just someone who can have more production coming his way, I think. So he uh, – per game so far this year, he has 7.8 unrealized fantasy points. Again, I really like him. 3,000 cheaper than Brandon Bowling. More targets, more routes. I think McGriff is – at under 4k is a solid solid value this week that is a good word man i love those numbers you're bringing to the table here seven unrealized fantasy points per game for justin mcgriff give me those seven on top of let's even just say a baseline of five or six that's 13 14 fantasy points at 3700 uh sign me up all day for that savings in a game that you know the whole game script lines up for this to be the week he realizes those fantasy points i think um Next in line, you know, biggest name going back up to the top of the list, but probably like one of the biggest names in uh, fantasy or college receivers is Keishon Boutte for LSU. 7,700, what is there to say? He's a total stud getting, you know, 30% of their passing equity. I mean, go for it. I mean, if you can fit it. Like, you don't have I, – I mean, I think we've talked about other guys who are truly just as awesome in, in games that are going to be high-scoring – you know, you can't fit all of these guys, even if you stack four, you know, you're going to have to leave some of these receivers on, on the, on the table. And it's kind of just going to be lucky at that point, I think. Yeah. No, I, so, I mean, you uh, want Tompkins, you want Boutte, right. you want Johnston, you want 
uh, other guys we're going to talk about. I mean, there's five or six receivers I want. You can't play them all at one time. So I think Boutte is my favorite above 7,500. Oh, okay. So so he's really interesting because he's obviously the alpha there. LSU has the eighth highest pass rate in the country. I think they're going over 300 yards this week. They leave a lot to be desired as a defense Mississippi State. I, I really like Kayshawn Boutte. And my my the the number that I've thrown out a lot, the unrealized fantasy points, 10.2 per game. And on top of the 20, ton, yeah. On top of the 27, he's already scoring. Yeah. Like I, I think he's my favorite above 7,500 because I don't think you have to pick play Quentin Johnson. And I think I like some of the other Utah State options. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. And I, you know, looking at his game log, he's failed to go, he scored touchdowns, but he's failed to go over hundred yards back to back weeks. Um you know, people maybe played him and got burned, but I have no problem running him back. I just – he's a superior talent. He's yeah. the best player on the field. Um, he, and, he's know, probably we, the best wide receiver in the country. And um, he has 10 touchdowns in his last six games. So you're probably getting to the end zone with him. Yeah, and, you know, it's – if he's going to even be a slight discount in terms of rostership because he's burned people two weeks in a row uh, against weak matchups. But, you know, sometimes these weak matchups, the game just goes funky – but this will be a game. It's an SEC game. They're not going to play around. They're going to go to their alpha, just like they did against LSU or UCLA when he went nine for 150 in a touchdown. So, yep. you know, I I love Boutte. I agree with you. I think he might be the best uh, pay-up receiver. Um, but, man, we got, Keish, uh, we got Khalil Shakir coming in at 7,400, and this is a dude that should be – he should be top three, top two, top most expensive receiver on any given slate because we talk about alphas. He's like the most alpha-ish receiver in college football, if I may be so bold. Last year, accounting for over 40% of his team's receiving production. There's not a lot of guys that do that. Came back for a senior season, and he's doing it again. Uh, I mean, just if they're going to be passing the ball, it's going to go to Shakir. And that is a nice thing to bank on. And you don't even have to pay up too much. Yeah. Some might call him uh, the smash of the slate. If I do say so myself. He is the smash of the slate. <laughs> At 7,400. How could I forget? Yes. Uh, and I obviously told him, I, I said, you know, I took so glowingly about him because he just smashed the friggin' slate. You have anything yeah. to add? No, I, I, I think you you hit it all. They get um, one of the highest scoring games of the, of the week, and he has 29% target share on a pass-heavy offense. I think he's a good option to stack with Bonner, or not Bonner, Bachmeyer, or run back with Bonner if you want to play it that way. Oh, yeah, I have no problem with, with just rolling Shakir without Bachmeyer. Um, or, yeah, I mean, no problem stacking him either. So, all right, smash the slate. Khalil Shakir, I love that guy. When he's on a slate, I, I just I feel so – that I just have to play him because there's not a lot of guys who get 40% of their teams receiving, you know, production and, uh, you know, and so it's just, if they're going to be throwing, it's going to go to him. And that's, you love to see that. I think from there it gets into like a weird, you know, I don't love some of these plays here. Um, I'll let you talk about some different SMU receivers. Cause I know you like quite a bit of them. I yep. want to touch on the Kai Polk for Mississippi state. Um, this guy is, I think he's just priced too low. He's 6,200. And in two of the three games this year, he has gone for over 10 receptions, not targets, receptions. Um, and uh, the one game he didn't, he was four for 33 against, like we've talked about, a pretty decent NC State defense. I, you know, it's just for 6,200, if you get a guy who's going to flirt with, you know, seven plus receptions, you kind of love that. And I, I think Polk has become the go-to guy. It's a little surprising. We all thought it was going to be Wally, but, you know, they brought in Polk for a reason and they're using him. He was a transfer from Cal. Love, love Polk, averaging 10.7 targets on the season per game. So definitely awesome player. Take us through the Mustang receivers. I know you have a, a soft spot for at least one of them. Yeah, so I, so I like Danny Gray. He's the priciest of them. 7,100. He he's definitely been the the alpha of the group. They're running a play every 21.9 seconds, 12th in the country. So they're really really fast, throwing over 38 times per game. Again, this is just an offense that you really want to invest in. He is 7.7 targets. 7,100 is a little bit pricey when you consider that 
Uh, Grant Capitera, 4,900. He's the tight end in this offense, but through three weeks, he has six targets per game, averaging 17.4 DraftKings points. He's 1,400 cheaper than Rasheed Rice and 2,200 cheaper than Danny Gray. And they're all kind of scoring similarly in a very fast-paced offense. I like Calcaterra as well. But I think my favorite option from this offense is Reggie Roberson. So Roberson has been, um, you know, he, he's been the alpha there for quite a few years. He, he's actually like a uh, coming to the year. He was a, a Debbie favorite as well. But he is like a really dynamic wide receiver. And he's actually probably in terms of points per dollar, the best receiving option on, on the slate. So he's a historically productive wide receiver. 1,800 cheaper than Rasheed Rice. He's out-targeting Rice 5.7 to 4.0 targets per game. Mm. Rice just happened to score two touchdowns last week, so I think he got priced up because of it. I really like Roberson. I think at 4,500 on the slate's highest total, there's a lot to like, and he had nine targets last week. We know he's going to be involved. Huge fan of of him and uh, really the entire SMU offense, but I think he's a cheap way to get a lot of value in in an extremely high-scoring game. Really, really like that. Again, the targets, that's really good to know um, for Robes. And he, yeah, he's a senior. You know, he's been there for a long time. I think uh, they're going to get him going. He is not, he's not going to be forgotten in that offense for sure. And so uh, coming in at the cheapest option, I really like that as well. Um, man, you, you, you were texting us in the Slack today about – Xavier Worthy's unrealized fantasy points. I think he's going to be pretty chalky. He scored a touchdown last week and had seven receptions for 88 yards against Rice. But he could be coming on as the main option in that Texas passing game. And going up against Texas Tech, he's only 4,700. And according to you, has has a higher ceiling than he's even shown. Yeah, so I, I think he's interesting. I just think my hesitation is that they're – Texas Tech's defensive EPA per pass attempt is top 10 in the country. So I'm not super in unworthy and I'm not sure how good Casey Thompson is either. So I think he's going to be a smart chalk fade this week. Yeah. I love his upside. I love his upside as, as a player long-term. I think he's an avoid this week because I think he's going to come in super cheap and not pay off. Yeah, he is going to, he's going to come in very chalky. Anybody else down? We already talked, uh, you know, uh, Justin McGriff. Uh, he's under 4K. Is there anybody else who's like a, a big, um, you know, bargain that you might like or any other names you want to you wanna mention before we wrap up? So I'll, I'll add two. Uh, the first is Kiki Chisholm, the wide receiver at Missouri. He's averaging 7.6 targets per game. Um, they're, as an offense, they have over 40 pass attempts per game. He is by far the wide receiver one there. Him and Beatty are are both garnering like almost seven targets. Their pass rates, uh, 13th in the country. They average over 30, 330 yards. Uh, Chisholm is really, really involved in that offense. And I was surprised when I was pulling his his numbers today. He at least 7.5 unrealized fantasy points on the table per game as well. And he's already already averaging 9.13. I've missed this game that could t- potentially hit the over, and it's already at 59 points. I like Chisholm this week, and I think that he's going to be a favorite target of Bazelak, so I think he's a nice stacking option at 5,400. And then the other one I'll mention is uh, two, SM- two, two TCU wide receivers to run back against SMU, Darius Davis and Savion Williams. Davis operates as wide receiver two in terms of targets, but Savion Williams is actually running more routes, and he's only 3,300 compared to Davis' 3,900. So I think he's really, really interesting. Despite only averaging two targets per game, he's definitely operating as a wide receiver, two in terms of routes run. So I think Savion Williams is a really interesting way to get different. I think Darius Davis is too. 3,900, I think either of those guys in, in that matchup is a really interesting stacking option or run back with Mordecai plus SMU wide receiver. And if they go off, I mean, there's no way those guys are going to be popular. I mean, we're talking under 5%, under 3% rostered. So um, very smart if that happens, if they go off. Well, that brings us to the end here. Uh, Chris, good luck out there in week four. And, uh, you know, I'm excited. We've been doing pretty well. Shout out to the tailgate on Saturday morning. We're going to do a live show. Chris is on from, I think, 10 to noon. I come on at 11. 
Um, and we will talk any kind of updates, changes, guys. We come, uh, we're more on uh, and more off depending on uh, new information that we get throughout the week. So there's definitely changes. You're going to want to tune in for that all the way up to kickoff with injury uh, information as it comes in as well and live changes as we go through that. So um, once again, uh, Chris, love to do this with you. Thanks for joining me. And, uh, you know, we'll see you out there in the Twitter streets. I'm at Alfred JF. He's at Chris Moxley 19. Hit us up out there and definitely check us out on 